Thanks to Slack for supporting Motley Fool. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today, we're talking energy and industrials. It's Thursday, the 21st of December. I'm your host, Sarah Priestley, and today we're going to be taking a look at what happened in 2017 in the energy and industrial segment. Joining me in the studio is Motley Fool Premium Analyst, Taylor Muckerman. Taylor, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. How uh, How's your holiday preparations going? I'm I'm about there. Yeah, yeah really? I think well, I'm, I'm done. very impressed. <laughs> I, I think I just have to get my old man a gift. That's They're always it. the hardest to buy from. Yeah. They really are. He's got pretty much everything he wants, and he's particular. So. Yep. My dad uh, pretty much gets a shirt or a jumper every year. <laughs> Poor guy. And now he's going to know what he's going this year if he listens to this. Hey, he better listen to it. Well, I can safely assume that he won't, so we're good. Um, so, busy year for everybody in 2017. Lots of uh, attention-grabbing headlines. But the first thing I wanted us to talk about isn't strictly in our segment, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial Ind- Index reached a staggering new high this year. Uh, for the first time ever, it grew 5,000 points in one year. So there's uh, 30 stocks in the Dow across all sectors, but a few of ours, uh, Boeing, Caterpillar, Chevron, Exxon, Dow DuPont, all up, GE, Merck, 3M down. So Mm -hmm. overall, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about some of the biggest companies in the world. And uh, interesting to see that there's some overlap between these companies and and Merck, healthcare sector has been doing okay. It's down. GE, um, I think it might be the worst performer of of the Dow. Um, I, I have... I have a positive outlook for that company though in 2018. So, um, but Chevron, Exxon, they had a, they had to bounce from a very low low in 2016 and 2015. So um, there was very little room to the downside for them, especially with oil prices stabilizing and even climbing this year. Um, Boeing continuing to surprise everyone with greater and greater aircraft uh, contracts, and Caterpillar um, also riding the coattails of higher oil mm-hmm. and um, also some higher mineral prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. And you mentioned uh, oil prices. There's also been a, a seemingly business-friendly president, too, which gave uh, stocks a boost yes. at the start of the year. Um, but oil prices uh, from their 2014 lows mm-hmm. are kind of back up to, some people are suggesting almost $60 a barrel is within uh, reach. So what do you make of the oil price moves this year? Yeah, it's been a, a much better year than the previous few. Um, you know, you've seen shale come roaring back. U.S. is producing, again, at record levels, um, but and forcing OPEC to extend its its production cuts, and um, Russia joining along with that. So, uh, pipeline disruptions, both in the U.S. and internationally, um, for various reasons, um, also helping boost the price of oil. But um, long-term, still questioning the investment thesis. Uh, over the next decade, but certainly in the coming months and years, um, th- there's some bright spots with shale offshore oil becoming a little bit more um, cost effective. And if we can continue to put pressure on the Middle East, then um, signs are good for U.S. oil producers and pipelines and service companies, uh, and especially the petrochemical sector that's benefiting from cheaper natural gas and cheaper oil and, and really booming on the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And um, yeah, I think Shell had their best quarter since the crash uh, last quarter. So yep. good, really good signs. And honestly, this has been a great shakeup for the industry in terms of uh, lowering the cost per barrel of extraction too. So as oil prices go up, hopefully they're going to just enjoy better and better margins on those. Yeah, you're seeing 
seen uh, a few companies now getting into like AI and, and big data an analysis to really help boost these wells. So we're, we're moving away from technology advancements under the ground. Um, we're, we're now talking about supercomputers. BP says they have the most powerful computer maybe in the world uh, analyzing data. Wow. So um, definitely some room for growth on that side of the business, and uh, that will continue to hopefully lower the cost per barrel and make um, the, you know, the supplies size out there continue to grow. Not necessarily great for the producers if they continue to lower their cost, and then you, know, you continue to produce more and more and more as demand um, begins to flatline or maybe shrink. But um, certainly good for consumers in the long run, you would imagine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and one uh, headline that's been fairly recent is uh, OPEC, as you touched on their announcement in November, that they would extend the oil production cut. Mm -hmm. uh, some have credited the oil production cut with helping to keep prices up, and it's definitely contributed. But um, were you surprised to see that the, they extended? No, I, not at all. Um, basically, I kind of expected that as reliant as these companies or these countries, excuse me, are on the price of oil being high. Um, they they still need to do everything in their power. Shale bounce back um, harder than I think any of them expected, and we haven't seen that let up because the rig count is still far far lower than it was at its peak in 2014, and yet we're producing at record levels. So um, yeah, I think that that production cut was necessary for them and could be extended even further beyond the June or July date that they've set so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely if um, Saudi Arabia has its say too, because their IPO of Saudi Aramco next year yep. is probably going to depend a lot on the price of oil. Um, so one kind of very inflammatory company uh, this year has been Uber, mm -hmm. really divisive. Um, so it's been a big year for Uber. They've had lawsuits that they settled. In January, they've been kicked out of London. Um, in June, the founder and CEO, Travis Kalanick, resigned amid pressure from investors over the sexual harassment, discrimination, and corporate misconduct allegations. So it's not a public company, so mm -hmm. we don't really know, you know, we don't have really a great deal of clarity over the ins and outs. Um, but this just seems to be a shocking shakeup um, for this budding company that plans to IPO in 2019 now. They are going to IPO. I didn't hear that. Uh, apparently, that's. Apparently. I mean, that's. This is rumor. Um, this look at me spreading. Yeah, no, that's spreading okay. <laughs> we can we can dip a little fake news into the industry focus uh, show. I mean, I think they might have missed their boat um, in terms of peak um, IPO market value, and uh, you see more and more companies trying to get into the rideshare lift is growing in customer satisfaction. Um, maybe even more so than Uber was at its peak. Um, and GM and other car companies are getting into the ride-sharing business um, slowly, but you imagine they can move fairly quickly if they realize that it's a business that they can succeed in, and um, they're doing it with the potential for driverless cars, much like Uber had hopes for. So everyone's competing on this on this playing ground now, and personally, I think Uber might have missed the, the boat for, like I said, peak uh, IPO market cap. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it's difficult to get over allegations like this. Yes. Um, the another headline uh, that we uh, that I had completely forgotten about until we did a show uh, mm -hmm. recently, but you, the United Airlines flight, um, David Dow, the passenger on the flight who was forcibly removed from the plane after the airline asked uh, four passengers to leave so they could accommodate United staff uh -huh. uh, who needed to be transported for work. So this this is kind of a, a was a shocking story, but and it led to sort of a tirade of all these other stories coming out. Uh, anything that the airlines do for a while didn't seem to be enough, but um, it raised a lot of questions about the practice of overbooking. Mm -hmm. And airline execs were hauled before Congress, um, though no fine was levied. It has changed a lot of policies with regards to overbooking. Um, so interesting, interesting kind of consumer stance against 
uh, a widely consolidated industry. I mean, consumers don't have much choice. Uh, I, I have to fly home yeah. a lot, <laughs> so I I know um, that really there's there isn't much between them, mm-hmm. um, and so this was kind of an interesting opportunity for consumers to really air their grievances. But it it did raise a lot of very serious questions. Um, the stock though it declined about one percent on the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end of the next month, it was down about four percent. But just one month later in May, it was back up 12%. So people's memories are short, apparently. (laughs) They are. And it seemed like in 2017, you weren't a cool kid on the block unless you ripped a passenger off an airplane. (laughs) um, Because basically every airline did it. Uh, So I think, you know, it was the power of social media. And then it was also the power of just overexposure. People kind of were like, oh, well, you know, we've, we've seen that before. Um, in some cases, it was the passenger's fault, so it mm-hmm. kind of diluted the shock and awe of what was happening with that. And another industry that's benefiting from low low oil prices, I, I know they're all hoping that um, OPEC continues to flounder in its efforts to boost the price per barrel, because um, they're all now um, price competitive. You see Spirit Airlines is an airline that's being hurt by that, because they were the, the no-frills airline, or one of the no-frills airlines here in the United States. and always had the lowest price or tried to and, and now that these big guys that um, still keep you know they don't charge for every bag they still hand out some food and water on the plane because of low oil prices and their scale they can now compete with price um, with the company like spirit so um, definitely an industry that hopes the price per barrel stays stays where it is or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe tracks a little bit lower um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And and year to date, I think United, it's worth mentioning, United are down. Um, but this is more on strategic concerns. But it, it raises a lot of questions. You know, there's a lot of unbundling going on with these uh, premium airlines or, or what used to be um, the, the more, the higher tier packages. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So you have competitors coming in now like Wow Air, Iceland Air, yep. um, who are unbundling. So, you, you, you know, you don't get your checked bag. You don't necessarily even get your carry-on luggage. Um, there's no TVs, you know, there's no snacks and all those mm-hmm. kinds of things um and i think that united really botched its low its rollout sorry of uh, basic economy fares um and that's kind of led to a lot of questions about the long-term viability of how competitive they can be when uh, when you have these new entrants in the market they, they did kind of receive a boost recently i believe uh, in the last couple of weeks the trump administration retracted a regulation set in place by president obama um where airlines were forced to disclose baggage fees when you're buying the tickets and so that is now no longer the case so they can hide a little bit more of the cost while you're while you're searching for the flight obviously they have to disclose it when you're buying the ticket mm-hmm. but it makes searching for flights a little bit more complicated yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So we all just need to learn to pack in a backpack. Yeah, I mean, eventually you're going to pay for your bag no matter what because yeah, it's, it's just it's becoming industry standard. Uh, so so yeah, either either pack more lightly or even maybe ship some things to where yep. you're going. It might be cheaper. <laughs> um, so the next headline that we have had this year is United Tech Corp bought uh, Rockwell. Um, so aerospace supply United Technologies bought avionics and interior maker Rockwell Collins for $140 per share. Uh, 30 billion total, including mm-hmm. debt. So that was about 17% premium on those shares. Um, they're creating a new segment called Collins Aerospace Systems. Uh, they described that this is the company's words. They said, together, Rockwin, Rockwell Collins and UTC Aerospace Systems will enhance customer value in a rapidly evolving aerospace industry by making aircraft more intelligent and more connected. Um, but basically, the consolidation of these companies, they both uh, make parts for uh, Boeing and Airbus. Is mostly being driven by the fact that the airplane that 
the manufacturers are squeezing the suppliers so much on cost right now, um, and they're really trying to move away from the high margin aftermarket parts and services industry uh, that really keeps these companies going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it's kind of similar. A similar situation is happening in oil and gas too. A lot of these price cuts are being felt further down the stream, and you're seeing more and more consolidation of these smaller players. Uh, so yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting story at play. It'll be interesting to watch how that works out. Yeah, that sector as a whole was um, kind of a, a hotbed for big M&A this year. So like you said, definitely interesting to see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they're forced to sell any of the smaller bits and pieces to um, make that deal work. But $30 billion. That's, that's no joke. <laughs> uh, so before we go on, I would like to thank um, our sponsor for today, which is Slack. Slack is a messaging app which brings all your team's communications together, giving everyone a shared workspace where conversations are organized and accessible. We use Slack here at The Fool and find it to be an invaluable tool to keep our teams connected. I have a lot of colleagues who are remote and Slack's real-time messaging, group file sharing and video calls help us to never miss a beat. Two things I particularly like about Slack. The first is because I can never find any Um, and it's the ability to search your archived conversations. It's far, far better than trying to search in your email. The second is the fact that Slack syncs seamlessly on my mobile device. It works with iOS and Android, which means I can always pick up where I left off. Um, Another great thing about Slack is that you can tailor it to your work with more than a thousand apps such as Google Drive and Salesforce. Slack, where work happens. Found out why at slack.com. That's slack.com. So one thing that we may have all forgotten about is uh, Volkswagen emission scandal uh, that kind of all started in late, I believe, 2015, but it kind of came to a head. January of this year, the U.S. Department of Justice announced $4.3 billion in criminal and civil penalties and arrested six Volkswagen executives uh, for their alleged connection in the emission scandal. So Volkswagen owns about 70% of the U.S. passenger car diesel market. And it got into hot bother for cheating on its emissions test. So basically, the way that they did this was they installed uh, software in the cars. Um, so it was about half a million diesel cars in the US, 10.5 million worldwide. And it basically allowed the car to be fully compliant with federal emissions levels when sensors, when it censored um, that a test was in operation. But when driven normally, it reverted back mm-hmm. and that permitted heavier nitrogen oxide emissions uh, into the air. So it's kind of a scary uh, thing to happen. Six executives arrested for this. <laughs> yeah, they got away with it for a little while. <laughs> smart. Somebody was smarter than uh, most of the inspectors for a while. Mm-hmm. And the stocks, the stocks rebounded since all this kind of kicked off. It's up forty percent year to date. It's still below the kind of pre-scandal levels. Um, but again, I mean, it, it just shows you Toyota's had their scandals in the past. It, with the brakes, yeah. Yeah, it's not. Um, Companies have bounced back from issues like this. This is I was surprised to see uh, the arrests and civil penalties, uh, but I guess that's just how serious it was. Yeah, I, I would be interested to see if this happened to a U.S. car manufacturer, if they would have levied the same penalties and, and arrest, um, because certainly uh, no bankers were arrested for what happened in the great financial mm-hmm. collapse, or uh, very few Enron executives were, were punished uh, like that. So interesting to see that go down. But, you know, consumers, um, as we talked about with the airlines, very short memory because Volkswagen still in the first half of 2017 was the largest automaker, second largest automaker by volume in the world, um, falling slightly behind um, Renault Nissan. Mm-hmm. So they had previously been the first, but they're still number two um, and not, not very far behind with Toyota falling in third place, selling all, all of them selling over 
5.1 million vehicles in the first half of the year. Wow, that's so, a lot of cars. That's a lot of cars. <laughs> we are, it, the debate rages if we are at peak car um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of the cycle, uh, but you still see a lot of old vehicles on the road, and uh, the good times keep on rolling for mm-hmm. them. Um, the next headline is uh, definitely in your wheelhouse. Uh, TransCanada abandoned two pipelines, and they also got a win at the Keystone XL, or arguably, on paper, at least, they got a win at yeah. the Keystone. Um, but the, they abandoned Energy East and Eastern Mainline projects. Um, mm-hmm. What was the reason behind that? Um, just, you know, continued infighting with mm-hmm. um, the regulators in Canada. And then, you know, they're basically like, you know, We'll just take our oil south. They they decided to continue the fight with TransCanada uh, or with the Keystone XL because they'd already had the southern leg approved and in, in action. So um, they're just really in need of and wanting to connect that so that they could supply the southern leg with the, that excess oil coming out of the oil sands. They got it approved. They have to they have to change course slightly from what they had originally estimated uh, once they reached Nebraska. And so that's going to require some renegotiations with folks in the state to acquire the land use rights. And they're still debating on whether or not they want to proceed. Uh, A lot of folks out there believe that the the billions that they've already spent and uh, the time that it would take isn't really a hindrance. So um, most likely we'll try attempt to move forward with Mm -hmm. this pipeline and, and give another avenue of escape for those that oil sands and people might think oh well, why are they trying to move so much oil out of canada because canada doesn't really need it they mm-hmm. they export um, most of their fossil fuels in terms of natural gas and and oil to the united states so um that that would really be a nice boost for them of course if oil prices fall back oil sands will continue to suffer. You've seen uh, a lot of big names sell out of the oil sands and Suncor, the largest integrated oil company in Canada, saying that they're going to pump the brakes on their own oil sands production and start returning some cash to shareholders. So um, who knows if the Keystone XL pipeline is really all that necessary in the Mm -hmm. long term, but right now they feel that it is. And a lot of that is going down to the refiners on the South. On the Gulf Coast, yeah. yeah, it's connecting the oil sands to um, a major hub in, in um, Oklahoma, Cushing, mm-hmm. where the WTI price of oil is set. And then the southern leg goes from Cushing to the Gulf, where predominantly all of our refining capacity is outside of a few mid-con per- refiners and some refiners out in California. Hmm. Um, the next Headline, we've kind of touched on this already, um, is something I definitely have a vested interest in, is mm-hmm. GE. So GE is one of the country's biggest employers, one of the country's most widely held stocks, yep. and its uh, power division supplies over 30% of the world's energy. So this is not a uh, small change that we're talking about with this company. Oh, um, yeah, I'd say it's too big to fail in, in that category. <laughs> uh, so in August this year, um, uh, Emil, who was the previous CEO, was replaced by John Flannery, the incoming CEO. Um, the company has just been in an awful cash crunch. It's really just incredibly irresponsible, I feel like, that they've got to the situation that they're in. Um, Flannery's making moves. He's cut its dividend to save about $4 billion a year. So it's gone from about a 4.7% yield to a 2.4% yield. Mm-hmm. They're cutting businesses, transport division, light bulb business, uh, potentially coming out of their Baker Hughes uh Merger, so uh, relinquishing stake there. That was a Baker Hughes GE company, as it's yeah. been called. Um, so overall, just a plan to simplify GE and refocus on the core areas: aviation, healthcare, and power. Um, 
this quote from John Flannery I really like. He said, I'm not trying to run the company for the reaction on Monday and Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. We have a long-term plan. We have a lot of work to do. We're reinventing ourselves many, many, many times. Um, so I, f I feel this is kind of a, a very foolish story, potentially, because yeah. it's such a long-term vision. I mean, people are talking five to ten years. It's a huge ship to try and turn around. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. But what do you make of this uh, story? Uh, I, I foresee some dividends and share buybacks in the in the future once they do start to parse out some of these other business lines. Um, you mentioned Baker Hughes and that tie-up that uh, basically took the place of Halliburton's attempt to tie up with Baker Hughes. And I think they have to wait a little bit longer uh, than the other divisions. The, all the other divisions they announce that they want to sell, they can they can move forward that, with that whenever. But I think based on the regulation and the deal terms, they have to wait a little while in order to to parse off the Baker Hughes portion of their business, but uh, that that's certainly on the chopping block, and yep. almost as soon as it was announced that it went through, <laughs> uh, just a few months later. So very interesting there, kind of reducing the exposure to natural gas and, and oil, um, even though they are, I think, the largest natural gas turbine manufacturer um, for power purposes in the United States and the world. Um, I'm also a shareholder of GE. I assume that's what you meant when you yes. have a vested interest. Uh, so I'm I'm holding, and uh, I have hopes that uh, and and belief that they're going to turn it mm -hmm. around. Might even you know who knows write some puts or buy some more. Um, but yeah, certainly going to have to do something with that cash. And I think dividends and share buybacks will be a part of that. And the shares down over 30% year to date. Share buybacks might not be the worst plan with extra cash. Yeah, absolutely. I um I lowered my uh my I, I bought more and yeah. lowered my price point too. Um so yeah, I'm absolutely invested in this story. I think that Flannery has exactly the right idea. He's making very difficult decisions, you know, it's hard yeah. to go in and say, uh, we're now expecting to earn one they said I think they're expecting to earn one dollar to one dollar seven cents per share. That's half the goal that they had a year ago. But one of the the biggest criticisms and one of the most egregious things I think that you can talk about from the ML era is just the absolute the 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 way that they approached their financials that was very opaque, um, and they're not very good at giving guidance at all. Sure. Well, it's tough with a business that big. It is. It's true, but I feel like there was definitely some um, number fudging yeah. going on. <laughs> the way that they, they the way that they uh, work out cash flow is just sure. so different to any other company. Very difficult to make comparisons. Um, Anyway, uh, just a small point. Volvo this year announced that that starting in 2019, it will only make hybrid or electric vehicles. Yeah. Seems amazing. Uh, GM also announced that its Maserati brand will be all electric by, I think, 2021. Well, those so. yeah, those two smaller brands kind of make sense. If you're going to have hybrid or electric cars, might as well go all in because that mm -hmm. is the direction of the future. And maybe you can gain some economies of scales without having to have two separate manufacturing lines with engines and transmissions, which are different. So, um, and the, almost the entire drivetrain. So, um, interesting there, but wave of the future. And you have multiple countries coming out saying that they're they're going to basically outlaw fossil fuels vehicles being sold. Some countries as early as 2030, a lot by 2040. Mm -hmm. France, Norway, um, China, even so, and California wants to wants to do the same as a state. So you know that's the wave. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then another big electric maker, yep. Tesla, had a huge year. Um, Elon Musk described the mass market manufacturing of the company's lower price Model 3 as mm -hmm. production hell. It was forced to push back shipments uh, by at least three months, and they found out in November, we found out, sorry, in November, that it was caused by production mm -hmm. bottleneck at the Gigafactory. Um, so yeah, big year. They announced a, a new truck. Uh, the semi-truck was announced, I think it was just last month. Um, a lot of buyers, apparently. 
Apparently, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm. I am. Uh, They're going to be waiting a while. Yeah. A little while. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm wondering to see how much of that is more of a uh, marketing yeah. stunt. Um, they bought unrepositioned Solar City. Uh, so yeah, a lot going on. A lot Battery of money factories being lost. online. The yep. Gigafactory, yeah, you know, a lot of money being lost. Uh, they need a high share price if they're going to continue to ec- issue equity and uh, to you know have access to capital. And if if the share price does decide to turn south, then not only will they lose that lever, but uh, the debt markets might also you know kind of close up shop on them. So um, this bull market's been great with the mm-hmm. higher stock price for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the company raised 1.2 billion from common shares and convertible notes this year. Um, they also entered the junk bond market. They yeah. sold 1.8 billion of eight-year uh, unsecured bonds. So interesting times for them. Definitely, you know, one to watch. As always, he's just such an enigmatic character, uh, Elon Musk. Too. Yeah. He makes for he makes for great commentating. I, I think that the financial media would have a lot less to say if Tesla wasn't in place. So. I just wish we had access to SpaceX personally, but yeah. maybe maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, well. Well, that was kind of 2017 in a yeah. nutshell. Um, I'm sure we missed some big headlines, but those were uh, the, key, the key points that we wanted to touch on. So, Taylor, they're probably you so fake much. news, anyways. <laughs> probably, like my rumors <laughs> well, about right. uh, Uber, Uber IPO. Yeah. Um, so, have a wonderful holiday. You too. And uh, that is it from us today. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus@fool.com or tweet us on Twitter at mfindustryfocus. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Taylor, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Fool.